Coming up next on Inside Golf Podcast, Canadian Open picks, more live reactions. Stuff is just breaking by the second. Uh, Phil's statement came out just a few minutes ago. Uh, I'm sure more stuff will probably happen before this goes live, but exciting times. We're recording this early afternoon on Monday. All of this with one of my favorite blokes, Tom Jacobs. Uh, Before we bring in Tom... We're presented, as always, by rickrengood.com. I would say right now is an incredible time to sign up. You can get a weekly pass for $7, and you'll get my full course breakdown this week of St. George's, uh, which could be useful because it's a course we haven't seen in over a decade. And then Brookline, too, which also could be useful because that's another course that we don't haven't seen too often. Also, if you're really smart, you probably wait until tomorrow or Wednesday so you can get the U.S. Open DFS article too. Um, But that's just if you want a weekly pass, which is only $7. But sign up today using promo code Andy, largest fantasy and betting focused golf database in the world that also has written content and a Slack channel where you can reach Rick and I all the time. So that's rickrungood.com slash Andy or type in Andy under the coupon code and join our thriving community. We'd love to have you. All right, let's bring in Tom. All right, Tom Jacobs is here, host of the Lost for Words podcast, Mayo Media Network, DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Uh, He also works, we're also colleagues at Odds Checker. Tom, last time I saw you, you were in my home. Or yeah, I I should say my mom's rental. But it's good to see you again, my friend. It was really good. Yeah, I think it was really nice for us to have a chance to meet up. Brian was obviously there as well. It's an, I, I sort of reflected on that after that week, and it was just amazing that you can have these friends. I'm lucky I've been to America a few times and made friends over there, but to have right. friends and re- people that you've met online and then become real friends in, in life is amazing, right? It's amazing to think that you can kind of just talk golf six months ago, and then all of a sudden you're having a beer or, or whatever, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing to do. And uh, I always appreciate that week. It was really good to have, I think we watched a bit of match play that day as well. Um, I seem to remember you rooting strongly against, I can't remember who you were against that week. Was it, I don't like Kevin Dustin? Kisner. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was it. I'd, I'd bet on Kevin Kisner and you were adamant he could not win. Um, and yeah, that was, that was a fun week. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's good. It's all good. It's been a busy week in uh, in golf, or busy couple right. of weeks in golf, and right. uh, I'm sure we're getting to that now. I was going to say, little do you know that uh, my hospitality in New York was really just my long game because I'm looking for somewhere <laughs> to stay for the first live event because I heard they're giving away free tickets. I use the Westwood promo code. Yeah, you can you can have the free tickets. You can probably have a free place at my house when they say it's near London. It's not near London, so uh, so really, so so talk to me about that a little bit. So, so I know that you live in the suburbs of London. I have one friend who lives in London. I asked him a little bit about Centurion, and he told me the same thing. It's not actually in London, but how close are you to it? I am in Kent, which is about an hour away from London, so it's a direct train into it. Hemel Hempstead, which is where Centurion is, is 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 northwest of London, like twenty four miles away, um, and it's I guess it kind of comes under Greater London, but it isn't. Like no one considers Hemel Hempstead as a as a London place, but I guess Liv have kind of got to do that to to kind of garner interest. Right? There's no point in them saying, "Oh yeah, the first event in Hemel Hempstead," otherwise no one's right. interested. Um, 
do you have yeah. is what's the temperature in the room right, right around there are people talking about it do you, do you have any friends that are going do you have any interest yourself in going i probably would have gone if i had the time off just because i feel like you could have got closer access uh i speak to pcu line on and off and and i probably could have kind of hopefully met up with him and, and kind of caught up with him on it but yeah i'd have gone I think people that have probably, you know, followed myself on Twitter and, you know, I've been outspoken for it, but just, I see the players. You've been honest. Right. Yeah. Yeah, You've been a pro player, which I am with you on that. Yeah. I just, I just think that like there is, there is horrendous like atrocities in Saudi Arabia. And I completely understand the hesitancy. If you're a journalist and you're talking about journalists being, dismembered and all that sort of stuff like it hits home right but all the things that we hate about saudi arabia have been in basically every country that we've kind of branched out to in terms of the the european tour i mean we went to dubai first in 1989 and they still arrest women when they've been raped because of adultery and they right uh it's illegal to be well wouldn't wouldn't the wouldn't the pushback to that be that the difference is that it's different when the Saudi public investment firm is funding the tournaments versus when you're right. just playing the European tor- so, tournaments. And that's in that the thing. Event, like, you know, Dubai doesn't doesn't you know pay for the event itself, but they benefit from it. They benefit from it. Like right. you're, you're the, the the tourism in Dubai has skyrocketed, and it's not just because of golf. Yes, but you know it benefits directly from it, and. When you look at uh, FedEx, for example, how much money Saudi Saudi's invested heavily in FedEx, yeah, which like, is and, very and ironic. <laughs> so everybody said to me, like I put this out there, they've been invested what two hundred eighty-seven million or something in FedEx, and everyone said, well, they can't choose who invests in them because it's a public company. Like, again, I understand that uh, FedEx have also invested four hundred million themselves into Saudi Arabia. Everyone knows where the money is, like. Then and RBC, by the way, that everybody kept going on about. I know, you know, they I know. <laughs> have bought up whatever it was to uh, to take over the richest company in uh, in Saudi Arabia as well. So balance their books. So it whatever makes money go around, you have to kind of consider. And I think you're very sensible in that approach. I don't think that. I think that the problem was that Phil Mickelson was probably the worst person to get to speak for you. Because he becomes across as he was already seen as greedy. He was already seen as a little bit shady because of the, the gambling and all that sort of stuff. Yes. If they had just got Dustin Johnson from the first instance, DJ would have been the best because DJ would just get up in front of at a press conference and say, Look, I'm here to play golf. Next question. Yeah. Which is what you, which is if I was the PR guy for any of those guys, I don't know if you saw the Andy Ogletree interview. Yeah. But I, I, I would just shut up. Just yeah. don't, you don't need to, you make it worse when you tell people to do their own research on Saudi this, Arabia. This is like the you, problem, you're making right? it worse by <laughs> yeah. saying that. Is that in 2000, and, and this was another thing I didn't like, is the European tour had the Saudi international on their schedule for two or three years until they didn't need that money anymore because the PJ tour bought right. the alliance, right? Until, <laughs> right. It was, until it was too bad optically for them to be on the European tour. So but all the players kept coming out and saying, oh, I'm going to Saudi International to raise to to uh, grow the game. And if they didn't say that, if they had just said, I'm going there to earn a bit of money, like Kokrak was saying, it still wouldn't have been okay. People still would have found problems with it. But, but because, it would have been because, where, yeah. 
I, more I honest. completely agree with you yeah. on that. And, and people, if you're just honest from the outset, like Co-Cracker's got no blowback at all. And he hasn't even joined up, by the way, but he probably will. He will. But, I think he had a wedding for this one. Yeah. Like, and also, I think, I think, I don't know how you feel, but I think this is like the worst tournament they're going to have. I agree. I, th- I, I think completely be, agree. I think there'll be five or six really big names come into it after the US Open. I completely agree. So I heard from a pretty like reliable source, but I didn't have the balls, Tom, to say it or break it on Twitter because I didn't <laughs> want to get dunked on if I was wrong. Um, that Phil was in for the yeah. first event. I, I alluded to it on my podcast and I, I just got cold feet. Um, from what he's told me too, it's just, it is just growing, it is just yeah. going to grow. So the first event is going to have the worst field. Now, the interesting question that I think is that I talked about a little bit on my on my last podcast was I think a lot of people are going to be interested in the first event because of the spectacle aspect of it. There's so much curiosity around it. And even like the American media that are so aggressively against it and and make the same jokes over and over again and just love dunking on it, they're going to be locked into the screens to have Twitter material, right? But then what happens after that, right? Because I I I made I proposed the question of I struggle with understanding what the long-term angle is in terms of stakes here. Because I think the mistake that people make is people don't watch sports to see rich people get richer. They watch sports to see people slip on green jackets. And that's why the FedEx Cup has become a little bit of a joke. So I think once you get past the spectacle aspect of it, like I think people will tune into the first one just to see, you know, because they want to see it fail. But long term, I'm trying to figure out what the angle is there. Yeah, so I, I don't think they have a long term. I think they're just like I mean, I think they have a long term disruptors. Yeah, I yeah. think they they do want to be long term. I don't think they're they're just doing it short term. But I, I I don't think they have a long term plan. I think they just know that if they chuck money at it, they'll get the people in, and then they can figure out as they go along. I think you knew here like Greg Norman speak. He always references Jack Nicholas and Armand Palmer trying to break away from the tour, and I think he just wants to be the guy that does it. Right. <laughs> I just think he just wants to be the guy that breaks away from the tour. And I think, Same with Phil to a certain extent. Yeah. Phil's got that like maverick personality to he, him. He has just spent 30 years in Tiger Woods' shadow. Right. He's a 45 time winner or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Like, it doesn't matter what he did, he was never going to be the best. Never world number one. Like, which is ridiculous. But the like, PGA Championship win was, you know, maybe outside of the Tiger 2019 Masters the greatest like the most yeah. memorable sporting achievement of my lifetime and it kind of just came and went <laughs> yeah. and people I mean? have, people have just forgotten about it right and, and i think the thing is with phil's he just doesn't care like that just doesn't bother him like, i think i think he cared when he won his first masters i think he cared when he if he'd have won the us open and things like that but you know interestingly enough like you go back to how it looked before and how it looks now right and people keep joke making the same joke about oh they have to give away free tickets and the problem is, is that like every company gives away free tickets. I went to Wentworth last year for free. That's a tournament that's been established for, you know, however many years. It's not that they gave away free tickets. It's the fact they tried to charge people £80, uh, you know, a couple of weeks before that makes it look so bad. But if they'd have just given away free tickets beforehand, do you think that there would be less? Like, surely that's just what every start well, startup does, is they just give away free tickets to events. Yeah, I don't think... I think it is... I understand why they're doing that 
but I think yeah. it's still an easy, it's an easy punching bag there. I mean, I, I I'll, I'll admit, did you see Ben Coley's tweet? I thought that was funny. Yeah, no, it was use, good. Use yeah. promo codes, yeah. scary yeah. motherfuckers. It's, it's that, good. And, I chuckled at that one. But that's because they write themselves right. It's very, yeah. very easy to, to take advantage of. And, and they they are making themselves look silly when they do things like that. It's like when Greg Norman comes out and says, I've got whatever, three of the top 50 in the world that definitely want to come. And it's like when it's Taylor Gooch and Dustin Johnson as opposed to Roy McIlroy and I don't know, Sam Burns, it, it, it looks completely different. But eventually these things are going to catch up. And I think also how many of the US media are so against it because of how much Golf Channel and Fox Sports and have invested in the PJ Tour, right? They've just mm-hmm. spent X amount on TV rights. If suddenly everyone goes and watches Live Golf, they don't have a job in two or three years' time. And Unless I mean, Liv hires them, which they've Liv already, which they've, yeah. they've stated they're adamantly they would not take the money. Yeah, and... Would they not? I, I don't know. I, like, I think it, I, it's, yeah. It's like, okay. It's easy yeah. to say now, but of course it is. Yeah, like, and, and those people that are saying it now are not going to get off of the money. So they know they're safe in it. Right. Saying it because they've been so outspoken. But like what I mean, what was the deal with Golf Channel? It was it was a ridiculous amount of money, wasn't it, for the PJ Tour for the next X amount of years for rights. Did they like, just do did they just sign a new rights deal? Because I know they just signed yeah. the big well, the big one was with ESPN Plus recently too. Yeah. Because they just changed everything with ESPN Plus. Which and, that would actually be a good platform for Live. That would be right. interesting too, as well. If ESPN and, Plus stream, and I think live. that's what they're worried about. Like, I think I think they've just gone like, you know, my company has just spent X amount on this. We are going to have to report on it or push against it mm-hmm. because you know we, we're so invested in the PJ Tour. And so, so that extent, I feel like not like whereas they like the US media keep coming across as like, it's the US and UK keep coming across as these like saints and we can't do this because it's Saudi Arabia and all this sort of stuff. Everyone's kind of looking out for their own interests. They're kind of looking out for the fact that they're, they're signed up to these big money tours. And I don't know. I mean, like Roy McIlroy and Justin Thomas are getting paid under the counter to talk against it. It all happens. Pip was created to, you know, to reward people for not going. That's why they took it off Phil Mickelson last year and gave it to Tiger. Like, I mean, Tiger probably won it anyway, but you know, it, it's, I just did you, think. Did you see the tiger got offered high nine figures? Yeah, like, and too? nearly a billion dollars, right? And that is about if he had gone, right? If he goes to live, how do people react? It's different. I mean, it's very different. I would say, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I think you're in agreement. And you know, we spoke a little bit about Tiger before. Like, I think Tiger gets a big pass for the indiscretions that he's made. There's no way to cover him. Cause you want to yeah. talk about, you want to talk about somebody that's given media members jobs. Like there's no way to, you have to, so many people tiptoe around if, it. If, if you, if you, if you refuse, if you, if Tiger Woods refuses to talk to you, you can't have a job in a VJ tour. Right. So people can't say the same things about Tiger Woods as they do about Phil Nicholson. And, I, I think personally, if, if Tiger Woods had said what Phil Mickelson had said, we'd have lit him back in by now. Oh yeah, I think, oh, I think yeah. we'd have forgiven him. Like, and that's not a slight on Tiger. That's not me saying Tiger's horrendous. It's just that I just think that's how Mickelson. I think Mickelson's been not unfairly treated because he's dug his own grave a little bit. But I think potentially I'd be on the air and on the side of letting him off the hook a little bit and welcoming him back into the PJ Tour if he ever wanted to come back to it. Do you think that 
Oh, first of all, have you read the fill book at all? No. So it's not out in the UK yet. Okay. You'll really enjoy it. I was actually looking for somebody. I'm about a quarter of the way through. I'm going to require you to read it because I need somebody to podcast with about it. Yeah, that's good. I will read it and we will talk about it. I mean, I might be able to get the audio book, which would be good because I'm listening to it. I'm doing the audio book, which is great because I do a lot of driving here in LA and you just- Is it better listening to it than reading? Yeah. I think Shipnuck's got a good voice for it. I just, I'm on the move a lot. I'm a big walker when I'm in New York and a big driver when I'm in LA. So it's yeah. a lot easier for me to consume that way. Cause I, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts anyway, so you could just kind of plop it on like a podcast. Yeah, no, I, I think that's the way it's going. I will get into that. I, I just, I just think maybe I, it's because I've spoken to a few players like on podcasts mm-hmm. and stuff that I just see not the struggle. Like look, Peter Uline's not struggling for money. I know He's the son of, you know, of, of Wally and the CEO of, you know, Titus and things right. like that. He's not struggling for money, but he's struggling for status on tour. Mm-hmm. And he's guaranteed nothing in terms of his own right. He's always wanted to make his own way and, and you know, and not rely on his dad's name and stuff like that. And I find it quite admirable. And is it good that he signed up to live? I, I don't, I'm not going to hold it against him. Like, how can you tell Richard Bland not to accept whatever he's oh, 10 yeah. million, 20 million dollars. He's got like a two year window before he's done it. What I kind of talked about on the Sunday show too, is that like playing for trophies is a luxury, right? Yeah. Like the people that play for trophies, the Rory McElroy's, the JT's, the ROMs, the Morikawa's, the Spieth's that aren't going to go to live. Like those guys are in the vast, vast minority of people. Those guys that are obsessed with Tiger, and obsessed with their legacy and stuff like that. Like that is a luxury, right? The vast majority of players and probably even the vast majority of good players. Like I would say, Tom, tell me if you disagree with me on this. I would say that DJ is probably not the only top 20 guy in the world that plays for money, right? Like it's not like every single great player just plays for a legacy. You'd be surprised how many great players care more about money than their legacy. There is... I would say probably 40 of the top 50 probably play for money. I'm with like, you. I would agree. Yeah. Like Rory McIlroy actually walked back some of his comments and said like for the first X amount of years I came on saw all I thought about was money. He yeah. he had signed with Jamira Estates as a sponsor. Like, you know, that is coming directly from, you know, the Middle mm-hmm. East and stuff. So I think he probably had to walk it back a little bit. He's probably told like, you know, optically this doesn't look great. And, you know, I like someone said to, someone said to me like DJ, because I put up that, why would DJ want to go and, and a screenshot of 75 million and stuff? Yeah. He can't wait, to, you know, to stay or whatever. And people took me as like, seriously, I was like, no, I'm being sarcastic. But, you know, that was 75 million over 15 years, I think his career has been. And bear in mind, you take by the a way, year out. By the way, like a top 30 career of all time. Yeah. He's yeah. run like 25 times. He's been unbelievable, like winning basically every year that he's ever played. And that was a six month break in all of that as well with you know suspensions but then someone says to me well that's not the only money he's earned i said even if you give even if you said he earned 75 million again from off course of earnings, course which, which he hasn't by the way because he is not marketable enough to have earned 75 million over 15 years right so you're saying he's earned 150 million total in 15 years and he can sign up today for 125 million how do you how do you say no to people like that like everyone's like, oh, he's got Wayne Gretzky as his father-in-law, and he was all about legacy. Wayne Gretzky still does betting commercials yeah. now. <laughs> no money is too much money. 
it, it, you can't, and this is coming from some, I'm very money motivated as an individual. Maybe that's why I see it that way. Uh-huh. Like I think I could live my life the way I live it now. And I, I, I should be happy for the rest of my life, but I would love to 10 times my salary. And eventually one day that's what I aim to do. Right. And that's just, it's the same for them. Like, okay. Yes. They earn a million dollars a year minimum if they finish in the top 100 on pj tour but that's a million and then you take away half of that for tax then you take away 20 percent of it for costs of a caddy and hotels and cars because everyone only knock sees off them. another 50 for um for paulina's bill at hermes exactly yeah there you go see like he's he's got some uh you know he's just got a wedding to pay for that was probably a couple of mil like uh it was eight million there you go from what i've heard Eight million dollars. So he had to sign up, right? He's probably lost half of his commercial agreements over the last. But do you know what I mean? Like, I think I think people don't. People just see these like professional golfers like they're rich. Why do they need to be richer? And it's the same with every successful person ever. Like Lionel Messi has signed up with Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. I don't know what in what capacity what he's doing, but I know he's done something. The these guys- people are actually the more greedy ones. From yeah. I, I remember, I was talking to. One of my friends was this longtime bookie, um, and he got pretty big. And he had some rich, really rich clients. He he was a bookie for a couple actors and stuff like that. And he would yeah. told he told me, it's always the richest guys and the biggest guys that stiff you, because they're the ones that they believe are invincible, and it turns into a dick swinging constant once you get a taste of it. So the idea that these guys, even if they are rich, that they aren't going to be interested in getting richer, that is a complete lack of understanding of basic human psychology. Yeah, exactly that. Like everyone, like, do you think Dustin Johnson's glad that he's the one that got 125 million? Of course he is. Like, he's glad that Bryson DeChambeau didn't sign that $150 million contract because now he's the guy, right? Um, I, I just, I'm very much against people just vilifying individuals for it. Is it is it a bad move that we're so reliant and linked to, you know, Saudi Arabia? Maybe like that's not great. Like not ideal. It's not ideal. <laughs> Do I wish the money came from England or America or whatever? But every country has these kind of and everyone pushes back on that. Like oh, you know, we don't we don't dismember people. Look, some places are worse than others. It's as simple as that. And unfortunately, Saudi Arabia has unlimited money. And they're not going to go away anytime soon. Do you think that? Um, so we talked about how we both think the fields get a little bit better um, yeah. as the year goes on. Are you going to? Are you going to watch the? You're going to watch the first one, right? Do you think that it, you'll have enough of an interest to? Like, are you going to bet on it? They have odds out. Have you seen their yeah. odds? Yeah, yeah. I'll bet on it. Like, I like Otagi, by the way. Tell yeah, me if you like have any leads. He, yeah, he's pretty good. Like, he's in good form. Um, I looked at it earlier, like Kevin Nas, 16 to 1. Sounds good to me. Sounds like the guy that wants to shove in everybody's face that he's won a golf tournament that he wasn't meant to be at. I was actually surprised DJ was as big as 4 to 1 as opposed to, I right. think, maybe like 2 to 1. I wonder if they ever give us DraftKings, by the way. You, you ever see that happening? I feel like... That, cause that I will could, happen. You think so? Okay, because I have a faint memory i'm not a i'm not a dp world tour guy but didn't they not have odds didn't some of the bigger sports books not have odds for the saudi international because they just i guess didn't want want that smoke maybe i i can't remember we definitely had them all in all of our books in all your um, places 
Yeah. So all the so, legal books in England, you can bet the first love of that. So at the moment, we've only got, I'm looking at four on Odds Checker out of 10. And Odds but, Checker has it up, huh? Odds Checker has it up. So, and that that's just because some people are behind, I'd have thought. I think some, I think some sports books are probably just looking at who's bringing odds out and then they'll be like, look, we've got to take some action on it as well. Like it's, it's, just, it's, it's exactly the same as the players. We'll let the players go out in the firing line first and then we'll join up in, you know, a month's time when it's in Oregon rather than England. Right. Well, uh, if any Lev officials are listening, if you want to pay Tom and I 10 times our current salary to host a Lev betting show, we are absolutely all ears. But until I, that happens... I will do it, yes. We, yeah, <laughs> me too. Until that happens, we should probably talk about this uh, Canadian event. Let's do the Canadian Open, which is which is a do you know what? And the Canadian Open has done what the players seem to have flocked to the Canadian Open in a sign of unity for the PGA Tour, and I don't I know, know if it's just coincidence. Kind of the DP World Tour is terrible. There is Bad no field, one there. right? So Ooh. who's like the headliner in Scandinavia? So we've got Alex Noren, which okay. is ten to one. And that just makes sense because it's in Sweden. And then the next the next guy on the odds board is Eduardo Molinari, who's like 100 years old. I forgot the other Molinari like yeah. existed. He he has his own statistics company. So he <laughs> yeah he's he, um isn't he a vice captain for for Ryder yeah. Cup? And yeah. Henrik Sensen obviously hosts. So we've got we've got guys up there that are that are decent, but like there was just no one like you, you'd think Fleetwood should come and show some solidarity, like. Well, Fleetwood's going to win the U.S. Open next week, Tom. So I don't want him in Scandinavia. There you go. Don't get him in Scandinavia. To be honest, I thought he was going to play live. I, I've got to be honest. I thought he was going to be here. You think so? I thought so because I thought that he only came over last week to get ready for that. But I think it transpires that he's probably sponsored by one of the, not Porsche, but someone else that was kind of at that Germany event. But I don't think you can rule anyone out. I don't think I can rule Xander out either. I think I, I thought, you, I thought Xander I've, and Canley were the two candidates for me that I thought would go because they're... They still might. I think it's in play. huge profile, but not JT, Rory, right. people that have got it made for them, John Rahm. So they, they still need to go and earn... Yeah, it gives Xander a no-cut event. That's always a joke, And right? Zan- the issue with Xander, Xander's not even finishing in the top 10 of the pep. No. <laughs> or winning. Yeah, there's no... there's no. I mean, what what number do you think Xander He cares is? a lot. I will say this, genuinely. He <clears throat> care, this And this doesn't mean that um, he won't go. He cares a lot about, like, the history of the game and, and, and leg, quote-unquote, legacy. So I think there's probably... Three players that won't go, like definitively. I don't think Roy McIlroy goes. I think he said too much, and I think he gets too much money. To I don't go. think Justin Thomas. I think Justin Thomas goes wherever Tiger goes. So Justin Tiger Thomas will stay. Justin Thomas will stay. I think Spieth will stay. See, Spieth wasn't the. I was going to say John Rahm, but I think Spieth right. make it four. Yeah, because I think Justin five Thomas, if because, five if you count Tiger. Yeah, because I think. JT's got his dad in the PGA side of things. He's got the Tiger link. Like, there's no way he looks at Tiger in the eye and goes to to live after what Tiger said. Uh, I agree. You know, the one will be Tiger Woods tour soon, won't it? I would imagine that he has. You know, our our friend Jeff talks about how Tiger's going to own the Champions Tour. I don't know if I see that. I think it'd be the PGA tour. I think he'll just. I just think he'll have. They'll rename it after him or make him the logo of it or something. 
Yeah, they'll change the FedEx Cup to yeah. tie. Yeah, something like that. Um, I promise we'll get to Canada in a second. <laughs> you know, but the the interesting one to me, Tom, that I don't think is as much of a done deal. Everybody was talking about Bryson, like Bryson's the biggest candidate to go to live. Bryson's got like a weird Ben Hogan obsession. He's got like the number of PGA Tour victories like written down in Roman numerals on his yardage book. I think he's like a weird, I think he's weird about the history of the game, if that makes sense. Doesn't mean he won't go, but I think he cares a little bit. I think his priorities are a little bit different than people think. People forget what Bryson was like when Bryson came out on tour very right. quickly. Like right. People don't remember how skinny he was and he wore his little sort of flat cap and, you know, he's very traditional. It was a very short hitter, but very technical and did things a little bit differently. I, I think ultimately he's got a number because I think he's so business-minded. But, yeah, um, yeah, I just, I think it would be ridiculous for everyone to say, like, Colin Morikawa would ever go. Like, Colin Morikawa's got to do his career 10 times over already just to earn what DJ or Bryson were going to get paid. What about Brooks? He'll he'll go if the numbers right. Yeah, that's got everyone's kind of saying that's why Chase is in there just to kind of butter that up. But I don't know. You're right about Colin though about the idea of think about a situation where he's on pace to be one of the greatest players of all time, and he's probably earned more money on the PGA Tour than most you know guys do in their entire career and yet still you look at what taylor gooch is going to make this year and i don't know how you don't think about it i I just couldn't i just i refuse to believe that individuals it's 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 because people have it's 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 idealistic views all the time isn't it right if it doesn't if you're not presented with the situation it's easy to say no i wouldn't do it Mm -hmm. I, i am very much like if someone puts a piece of paper in front of me and i'll just give a number this isn't my number but if they said is three hundred thousand pounds a year to cover this full time? How do I look at my partner and my family? And go, oh, sorry, so yeah, I, I can't do it. Yeah, because you're not. I mean, that's kind of the key point. Is people think that these guys are just making decisions for what they appear to be their legacy? Well, no, yeah. they're kind of making decisions for like everybody in their life with these things. So it's a little bit more complicated. I think the other thing is like some people still don't comprehend the fact that basically one of the events is in Saudi Arabia and then the rest of it, you can just live in America. Like I will say this, I've been tough on the golf courses because you know, I'm a bit of an architecture nerd. I'm I'm not impressed by the uh, the lineup that they got. I, I played Doral over Thanksgiving. I could not believe that course was, I felt like a, I was, I felt like a fool for paying three hundred and fifty dollars to play that course. I, I I felt like they they got me there. <laughs> but to the, it's the PGA Tour's course is not great though, because aren't the real um, best ones just they can't logistically host? The kind of, yeah, yeah, kind of. Because I mean, we're assuming that the best courses get the majors, right? Yeah. And so if these guys are going to live to play live and they're still able to play the majors, well, then you can still play most of the best courses in the world. But I mean, I think there are. I'm very critical of a lot of the PGA tour setups. I think they've got some really good ones too. Like not even just from like a, not even just from like a nerdy architecture standpoint. I think Phoenix is like an amazing golf course for a PGA tour tournament. I just feel like that course always delivers. Um, I think Muirfield's great. I mean, Muirfield's like considered the best 
the top 15 course in the country, right? I think Riviera is phenomenal. And I don't, I, I don't I think Potomac. that. That was good. Right, right, Lager. right. I think the quality on the PGA, I think there's the occasional abomination with a TPC Craig Ranch or something like yeah. that. But I think for the most part, a lot of the courses on the PGA Tour are quite good. I would like to see more dope courses, which we which we're getting a little bit more of this week. I promise. Well, that's my attempt to transition yeah. us at some point into Canada. Let, let's um, just, I, I will underline my point is I think that everything will improve after the first event. So I think everyone's like, they haven't even got anywhere on TV. Well, they've signed a liberal broadcaster, so they're going to have a TV package at some point. The courses will get better next year because they'll have a longer schedule and no one will be the first course has to come out and say they're hosting the event. The players will get better because everyone will see that those players can play made so much money, yeah, and mm-hmm. made so much money. So when DJs allowed to play at Brookline next week, they'll all just go, "Okay, I can do it." I I need you to tell me who you're betting for the Canadian Open. So the Canadian <laughs> Open, <laughs> the top of the <laughs> the top of the board, right? Is okay. you can't do anything about it. It's bad uh, odds, right? Everyone's complaining about the odds this morning, and I gotta say, I agree with them. Like, you can't do anything about nine to one Scheffler, ten to one Thomas, eleven to one Rory, fourteen to one Cam, and fourteen to one Sam. But they all just deserve that, right? But I have no interest in any of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then it's the second tier of guys that you have to uh, you have to look at, and I'm pretty sure. I saw uh, one of them that you were on based on our odds checker articles. I get to see. You're going to shame me for betting Fitzpatrick at 20 to 1 because I deserve it. So the thing is with Fitzpatrick, right, is I think we learned quite a lot about Fitzpatrick at the PGA Championship and not in a good way. And yes, it was a major championship, so you have to factor that in. I don't know that the chemistry between him and Billy Foster is great. Oh, wow. I, I think... And I wasn't by the expecting way, I, this. I've spoken to Billy Foster, and he's never said anything like this. So this is my interpretation of watching them. Do you remember that time when he just told Fitzpatrick to get on with it? Do you remember? Uh, he was like, no. He was, like, was that on okay. Sunday in, in contention? It, no, it was... It was I can't remember where it was. It was like two or three tournaments ago and he was overthinking it and he just said, just shut up and get on with it. And I was like, hmm. Like, everyone was like, oh, that's just typical Billy Foster. He's very brash. But I was like, no, when you think about it, like Billy Foster is always, he's been with like Seve and Darren Clark and he was going to go with Rory. He's caddy for Tiger. And they're all the people at like the peak of their powers, Lee Westwood, for a very, very long time. This is the first time, where I, and he's not, a, he's not a complete project match for Fitzpatrick, but he's still not reached his apex yet right and i don't know that billy foster wants all of that and the statistical logic behind it all and and all that sort of stuff you've heard this stuff about how fitzpatrick has like every shot charted every shot he's ever 15 years old is that that's equal parts amazing and equal parts disturbing (laughs) surely that is paralysis (laughs) by analysis eventually like, I don't hold care. on, we got to give him a little credit because you, you want to talk about a guy who, like, Fitzpatrick, it has made tangible improvements to his game. Like, the what, what he's turned into off the tee, both in terms of distance and accuracy, you don't see many players making a transformation like that in such a short period of time. So, I think he's amazing at golf. 
I think he is one of the best and he can be a top 10 player in the world. He's been close to that already before. But, you know, he was second at Wells Fargo, never really looked like winning. Did have a chance at the PGA, looked really, really bad and, and benefited from a chip in towards the end. Why is it so much more difficult to win? And I don't want to hear about the the, the field quality because the, 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 the European Tour events that he's won are the best ones. He's won the Tour Championship twice. He's won the British Masters. He's, he's won, won Valderrama. Won Valderrama. Like, he's won on the hardest, most pressure-packed tournament um, against good quality players. Like, what is the issue? So, is it a self-imposed pressure? Is there is there a holding his game? Do you think he's, like, considered this, like, elite putter? Right. Is he when it matters, or is it solid? Well... If you looked at his stats from Memorial last week, I don't think you could call him elite at that uh, aspect of his game. I like if the test that I always do, if somebody's a good putter is like, if you're, if you turn on coverage and he's standing over an eight footer, do you think it's going in? And I would say with Fitzpatrick, I do. Even though I hate watching him putt with the flag stick. (laughs) And the cross-handed chipping is, is, Oh my God. I know. It feels like he rattles them in when it's for par and not for birdie. Yeah, that's a fair point. Which is I weird, agree with you on that. Because you'd think that, if anything, he would be so confident. Like, they were always saying that, like, Westwood would be aggressive with his parts in the Ryder Cup because Fitzpatrick could knock them back in, and, and that did work. Why does he not apply the same logic to his birdie parts? I can't... I can't... Because he should trust himself to make the comeback. This is a long way of saying that I think Matthew Fitzpatrick is a really, really good play. I just don't trust it. <laughs> I think you make such a good point about maybe some of the, did you see, by the way, he released like a statement after the PGA championship. He was like, I'm, I'm, I was really disappointed. It was like a notes app thing. I was really disappointed in my play on Sunday. Did you see that? No, I, I, I know that he came out and he was very vocal about being disappointed. I hadn't read. The yeah. Episodes. And then I kind of got suckered into, I think he got asked about, it might have been live. It might have just been about a question about contending. And he came out and was like, being in that moment, it just made me realize that all I care about for the rest of my career is winning like, trophies, is winning yeah. trophies, which could have been just get off my back. I don't want to talk about live. But I do think that he has that nerdy aspect to him where he cares a shit ton. And I think when you're talking about the week before a major championship, do I think that maybe a Rory or a JT or shit, you know, you always get that classic look ahead spot, fine tune in narrative. And then the best players the week before majors always end up playing better than you think. But I think that if I'm talking about the top of the board, guys who need a win and want to win, really fucking badly, I'd put Fitzpatrick close to the top of the list. 100%. And isn't it Brookline where he won his US amateur? Sure is. Wouldn't that be funny if he won this week and then the hype train was just off the rails so for next week? So this is what week? I'm going to say is that like everyone now is like, Fitz is going to go win the US Open because right. he's good at that sort of test and he's won the US Open before. We know that never, that never works out, right? But he is only 28 to 1 next week. Wild. So, I mean, I bet him at 20 this week. I like him at 20 this week better than that, I like him at yeah. 28 so next week. <laughs> I do, bearing in mind what I saw from him in the PJ Championship, if I was going to bet Fitzpatrick over the next two weeks, it would be here. It's, and isn't it the, the 
don't you think of Fitzpatrick too on like aren't a lot of his Euro tour wins on like these tighter tree lined, thicker yeah. rough, Valderrama, TPC Potomac, like those types of Parkland courses. Yeah, he's he's won a British Masters in that respect. He's he's crans, he's not tree lined, but it's kind of like tight, you know, rewards good iron play. I guess his Dubai wins are kind of a little bit more open. I think he has the ability to win anywhere, which is which is a really good facet to have. I think he's a really good player, and I, I hope he wins soon because the the kind of like him, like Zalatoris, it just feels like until they don't, until they win, people are just going to bet them every week. Oh, and yeah. feel disappointed, right? And if you're not someone that's bet Fitzpatrick for the last ten weeks, you're probably doing well and should be backing him soon. Is the way I would put it. So, who is your first bet? So Corey Connors is my first bet, and I didn't think this was going to be a thing. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back up for a second here. You didn't think that Connors was going to be a popular guy this week? No, no, no. I didn't think for me it was going to be a thing. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. You didn't see yourself going there. No, yeah. I didn't see me backing Corey Connors because I was always the like, Canadians don't win the Canadian Open. It's too easy. You're going to get suckered in. And then I just looked at the fact that he led the field in approaches last week mm. and he was right up there in teeth green. When, when Corey Connors does that, that's when Corey Connors is going to contend again. He comes to Canada at a course that should suit. I mean, he's a guy, oh, yeah. again, that I think is equally adept to playing long and short courses, right? But it's fourth at the Heritage Show, at the Sony, eighth at Colonial, tenth at the RSA, all courses I kind of like for this. And then I thought about the the pressure of Canada golf aspect. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because no one has yet corrected me. When Mike Weir was the Canadian hope, was there anybody else? No, not that no. I know of. No. I mean, so, it was Weir, and then it went through kind of a lull with like Graham Dillette had a bit of a moment. Right. Maybe David Hearn had a little bit so, of a moment, but no. They were hinging their hopes on David Hearn and Graham Dillette, who couldn't stay healthy for a season. So right. now you've got Corey Connors, Adam Hadwin, Mackenzie Hughes, Taylor Pendrith, who obviously isn't here this week. But you've just got this plethora of, of oh, they're not elite by any means, Nick Taylor, but they can all, they're all capable of winning. That kind of takes that pressure off, I feel like. And just the fact that he's hit the ball well, it's not so pressure-packed. 22 to one doesn't look great, but I think you've got three guys there. If it's Patrick Lowry and Connors, if you bet them, I can't argue with you. What about Hatton? Can I sell you on Hatton? That's my other guy. I got well, a third. I got a 33 on him. Yeah. So I said, uh, on my podcast, that Hatton was actually quite a good price. My problem with Hatton is I don't think I can watch him for 72 holes. <laughs> that has to factor into my, uh, decision to play them, but he's been sneakily very, very good. Uh, he has been. He's had a really good season, but I think it's been overshadowed because Lowry and Fitzpatrick have been better. So Lowry and Fitzpatrick have been so good. Like Lowry's bullshit yeah. has been phenomenal. Fitzpatrick just keeps top fiving every week, right? Now, Hatton is weird because I, and I had a debate with someone on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, but they were sort of like going at me because I said that Hatton, I put a tweet up about the fact that he missed all these cuts in majors or whatever. And, uh, I was like, well, he, you know, it's just factual. I'm, I'm just saying that he doesn't really deal with the hard setups very well. They're like, well, they've won, he's won at Bay Hill and finished second. I was like, yes, but that's one very specific golf course. If you look at the players and you look at the Masters and you look at it, he's been terrible. And then this year, 13 for the players, 52nd of the Masters was pretty average. But then 13th, 13th at PGA. Seven house, yeah. Like, 
all of a sudden he's now performing at those events. So I feel like a win is probably around the corner, uh, whether it comes when he drops back down into like the Scottish Open or the Irish Open, maybe. But I think he's a good bet. I think he's, he's good value. Um, St Andrews will be really interesting for him for the Open Championship. Mm. Um, real quick before we get into this next year, because I know you do DraftKings stuff too. If you had to pick a guy to start your DraftKings lineups with at, at the top, would you play Scheffler, JT, or Rory? Out of those three guys, who do you think has the best week? Uh, Rory. Yeah. I think that's probably the answer. I also think he'll probably have the highest ownership. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think that's like, I don't think I'm giving anyone some really surprise tip there. I think, I think just for me, you talked about earlier about who does this week mean the most to. He needs a win. Yeah, he doesn't, like, he doesn't need a win, but he's playing so well that you you want him to take advantage of this this form. Uh, Scheffler and Thomas have got one eye on next week, and Rory probably hasn't. He has, but you know he's he's got half an eye on winning a tournament as well. I think. So let's go a little bit farther down into this mid tier. Actually, last guy I want to ask you about. I might get suckered into Finau. I love Finau. This week? Yeah, basically every week. I haven't bet him. <laughs> but I, ju- I just think, like, his ball striking has come back to the fore the last couple of Big weeks. Time. Right? Big time. Big time. And when Tony Fiena Everything. Was doing that, the, the putters came back too, Tom. So this is, this is the first time that he's gained strokes in all four major categories in back-to-back starts since the beginning of 2021, where he went on that run where he went like fourth runner up, runner up 14th and, you know, lost in that playoff at Riviera. If you remember kind of the beginning of last season. Yeah. So he's starting to kind of do everything a little bit better. So the ball striking is getting better and the putting in short games coming around too. And just the fact that like second in Mexico, fourth at Charles Schwab, like Charles Schwab is, is a decent look ahead to this. I think in terms of just tight, you know, iron. Yeah. Yeah. I agree and with you. Like, is it just because he didn't kick on from that last win that people have gone off of him a little bit? Maybe. I think he's, you know, understandably frustrating, right? And, you know, our, our other mutual friend, Bamford, likes to call him T2 Tony. <laughs> I think I think he has that type of rap around him. The reason why I have some interest in this course, because I think... Um, or in this tournament, we'll say, I think the course fits good too. He gets a, like you said about colonial, he gets kind of a rap for being super wayward off the tee. Well, he actually improves his baseline when he gets on some of these narrow courses and he's had a ton of success at, at places like colonial. The reason why my betting card is basically Finau Fitzpatrick hat and I'm done is because I think that the field is structured very in an interesting way this week. Right? So I think that after Finau, there's a really big drop-off in my opinion, right? I, I think the difference between Tony Finau and Adam Hadwin is pretty sizable in my opinion. I think the difference between Tony Finau and Sebastian Munoz and Chris Kirk is pretty sizable, right? So if you want to forego that mid-20s, early 30s and just start getting into that mid-tier, you're dealing with guys suddenly at less than double the price of Finau as you know, it goes straight to like Sahith Tagala and Keith Mitchell and Jonathan Vegas, who I like all those guys fine, but I just think that Tony Finau is a bigger, a better class than them. So if you're asking me whether I'd rather bet 
kind of this compact card of guys in the high 20s. I just think the mid-tier this week is weak, if that if that makes it all sense. Like you see it in the DraftKings pricing. Hadwin and Munoz and Kirk are like $200 cheaper than Hatton and Fitzpatrick and Finau and Connors. That's crazy to me. Why yeah. would you play those guys? They're yeah. they're not two hundred. They shouldn't be two hundred dollars cheaper. But the way that the field is structured this week, you get this giant drop off where it's just a weak middle tier. The way I thought, like everyone was kind of moaning about the field strength, and and Jason does a podcast with me was like, yeah, the field's so crap. What, what price can Lowry really be? And I was like, well, actually, no, you look at your Shefford, so much Rory Smith, and I I hadn't really attuned to the fact that basically the rest of the field sucks. Like yeah. it, it, it's really bad, and if if someone said to me they're going to do their card with Fitzpatrick, Larry, Connors, and Finau, or right. one of those with Hatton, that's fine. Like you're always going to get dogged for playing four guys in the twenties, but if it makes you money, I don't. Who, who really cares? Like if one of them wins or one of them places, you're you're laughing, right? And I don't see, I don't see that group of Fitzpatrick, Larry, Connors, Finau, and Hatton not at least being within contention on Sunday. Like if all of those play really badly. One of those guys going to hit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I think that's the most likely range for the winners come from. I agree. I think the only guys in this mid mid tier that, like, if you want to bet Patrick Reed here at sixty five to one, I can't put up a fight against that. And if you want to bet even, I kind of like him next week at the U.S. Open, and there's already some bad juju around him this week. But if you want to bet Justin Rose at eighty. I'm not going to kill you for that. You might, Tom. Tom might kill you for that. I love Justin Rose. I, for, I I was trying to remember. Yeah, you are a Rose guy. I'm yeah to to my detriment because I back him at like me too. to one to win the Masters. But right, it's like um, he, 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 I hope he's on your radar for next week because it's a there's a lot of Marion in this in in Brookline. Yeah, and and I think that I think people think he's done, and he isn't. Like he just he just simply isn't done. Like for for I remember backing him at like fifty to one, maybe sixty to one for the Saudi International two years ago. How about I backed him at Tory Pines and he had one bad shot at Tory Pines that went in the water and he finished one stroke outside of a playoff. Yeah. Like I just don't see why people like his his record suggests that he's still got juice in him, like 13 for the PJ Championship. Okay, he didn't do great at Colonial coming off that. I think he is, and again, it surprises me he hasn't gone to live because I think he's a guy that wants to play 10 times a year and right. four of those be majors, right? So, well, he's got the big MasterCard thing. So maybe yeah. MasterCard's telling yeah. him to stay. Maybe, maybe he can't lose that, <laughs> unlike DJ with the RBC. But uh, yeah, I like Justin Rose. I think. I think like you, I'd rather just back him. I'm guessing, was he 100 to 1 next week? Yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'll probably look foolish if he contends this week. But, you know, I, at the very least, he'll be on my DraftKings radar for next week. But the other yeah. guy I thought was interested here was C.T. Pan. Mm, I like, like that. He's just I love C.T. Pan. Long term, he's just been very, very good ball striking. And I don't think that's a, a surprise to people. I think people know that and... People more intelligent than me put it down on paper better than I do. But, you know, he's won the Heritage. He's been third at that Colonial, second at the Wyndham, third at the Honda, eighth at the Travellers. Like, this is just his type of jam, right? And he's played well, I believe, at Canadian Open in the past. And I don't yep. think it was, I think he was kind of top 20 there before. Um, so 
yeah, I, I like everything about CT Pan. Not enough to to bet him because I don't think the number's great, but I think he's a he's a good DraftKings player. I think. Did you? So, what was the next move that you made after after Connors? <laughs> so the next player, there was a big gap now, and it was Pat Perez. Oh boy! Which. <laughs> I knew it was going to be a tough one to sell, right? But, no, I love Pat Perez. You know the the um, the stuff that I was telling you about about the Phil stuff, the the live stuff. Yeah. Um, one of my, I have a good friend in San Diego that I guess um, is kind of in some of those circles with you know Phil and Pat Perez and those San Diego guys, and um, he was he was telling me about about Pat. Uh, he loves Pat, so no, I'm a big, I'm a big Pat fan. I, I, I play him way more than I should. Do you, do you think he's got another win in him? Mm, I don't know about this field, but I think I always like him at. I always end up playing him at those resort courses. Yeah, but I, I right? just thought that, like, when you look at he's tied ninth at Pebble earlier this year, twelfth at Colonial, uh, two places I really like. He played well at the Players' Championship, where he's also played well before, which is a good like kind of premium on irons and I just feel like he's got another win in him and I thought the field was weak enough that once you get past the top guys there was enough he's played well in the Canadian Open in the past and I don't think that matters too much because a lot of them have been at Glen Abbey and things like that but I just think he's, he's playing really solid golf he's made like five straight cuts and he was 100 to 1 and I just thought he was playing well enough to actually at least top 5 top 10 I think it is, it gets really slim. Like if I'm looking at DraftKings right now, I think this is the least amount of players that I've ever seen between 30 and 100. I mean, it's like 12, 15 guys. And then you get past 100 and it's just, I mean, it gets kind of crazy. Is there anyone else that you want to throw out before we, there's a couple bombs that I'll mention that I think are good DraftKings play. But anyone else before we get into some some absolute so bombs? I have two horrible feeling bets uh, <laughs> on my card, but I can I composed I have like I use the sticky notes app on my uh, on my computer and just write these people down. And when I actually type them out, I sort of quivered a little bit. The first one is Tyler Duncan. Yeah, I, that's my guy too. I love Tyler <laughs> Duncan. I love Tyler Duncan this week. Yeah. 15th at Colonial. 15th at Colonial. 12th at the Heritage. 25th at the Valspar. Only win has come at the, the RSM. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was 17th at the 2018 Canadian Open. And this course is going to be better. Uh, 12th, 40th and 28th in those three starts at T to Green, which is great for someone that doesn't hit it uh, an awful long way. Uh, 40th, 9th and 30th in approaches in better fields. I thought Tyler Duncan on short golf courses was a, was a pretty good chance. 125 to 1. I see him as high as 180. Yeah. Go. Yeah. So you knocked off one of my guys. I'll give you another one. What about, remember, what about Doug Gim here? Remember when Doug Gim was like, he was 7,900 at in Mexico a couple of weeks ago. I just think he's got a higher ball striking upside than a lot of the guys that he's around. Um, and I think this is a good course for him. You know, I, I like him on, shorter plotter really really good mid to long iron player pretty good off the tee too so i think doug gim at 180 to one in this field he's the type of guy that if he catches a little bit of form people tend to love to play him and so i think you're getting like a nice 
a, an actual like very good bettable number on him at at 180. Yeah, I think when he's that number, it's fine. It's when yeah. it starts getting down to 60, 61, everyone goes right, and people him. still it bet him works. at that number. Yeah, yeah. But when you look, I think players has been thrown about a little mm-hmm. bit as like a, as a correlation, right? He's sixth and 29th there in two starts, mm-hmm. and the 29th could have been pretty decent, better. Charles Schwab, 14th. You know, we'll Heritage, take it. 33rd. We'll take 30th. it. I think. I think he's fine. I think he's a really good DraftKings play. Yeah, and and not a bet, which is which is fine. It's, and I'm going to say that before I come on to my final betting <laughs> selection, which is really really bad. So I'm going to get it out of the way before. Uh, Give it to me, Brad Snedeker. Dumb man. So okay. him and him and Justin Rose were like my. They were my two guys for a very long period of time, and. And whilst I don't think the game has passed Justin Rose by, I think it probably has passed Brandon, right? <laughs> I was gonna say, but, your car. Are you sure you're not betting the the live event with yeah, all these uh, Pat Perez and Brand Snedeker guys that you're backing? It's, it's concerning, right? But he's made two of his last three cuts, two in a row, three in the last five. He returns to the Canadian Open, where his form is seventh, fifth, miscut, thirty four, first, twenty fifth, fifth, eighth, and fourth. And the Oof. fourth was at Hamilton, which is obviously sure, closer to this than obviously Glen Abbey, miles closer. Uh, he did miss the cut here in 2010, which is obviously disappointing. But like his irons have improved a little bit, and it is a little bit. It's not like he's hitting the ball really well now. But I just think I, you always seem to see these events where just an, an odd player pops up, and everyone keeps thinking it's going to be Luke Donald because his iron plays pretty good. <laughs> um, I just think he's got another. One last rodeo in him, and, and I think Canada's a good spot. I think he likes the little friendly nature of Canada. Seems to play very well when he gets there. Obviously a former winner of the event. Um, a golf course that really shouldn't suit him. He was always the guy, right, that, that played well at long golf courses when he should. Corey Pines, um, yeah. Like the Masters. He was yeah. great at the Masters. I, I bet him every year well, for that. Pebble, Pebble Beach, too. He's been awesome at Pebble. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, th- I think he's, I, th- I don't know. It's worrying because it hasn't, like, every time I think it's going to go back and well again, like, you finish 18th at the Valero and then miss two cards. Then you finish 57th and 60th, and I'm like, right, I'm back in. But it's like, it's like there's 14th for the Amex, 36th for the Sony, uh, 11th for the 3M, like, not so long ago. It, I don't know. It, there's just a hunch that I think he's going to play okay now he's back in Canada. First time in three years, uh, 200 to Now that we're kind of on this train of guys, I like Ryan Armour too. I mean, I <laughs> talk about a guy who's really accurate off the tee, great at TPC Potomac, um, which I like a lot. He's a really good bunker too, bunker player too. I think he can make the cut. And then the only other guys that I would consider talking about is I think Smotherman, Svensson, and Smalley, the three S's. I think those guys all have a lot of talent. And I think if you're looking for, I'm just going to play the talent here and I don't want to pay up for Sahith, who I think you're buying as a Sahith guy who loves Sahith. I think you're buying a little high on him right now and what I don't believe to be a great course fit. I would rather play a Svensson Smotherman or a Smalley. And I think those guys have some really good ball striking upside and you can get pretty much all of them at 151. I also have a weird Lee Hodges thing. I like Lee Hodges a lot. That, that is he's, a weird thing. Yeah, he's a good iron player, and he's finished third at 
and ninth this year. So he's got a little more upside than you think. Top 40 at Colonial and Riviera too. But I, those are the only guys that I would care to mention. Yes, if you're looking for another homer, like Michael Gligic has been playing some golf, <laughs> but you know it, that is a that is a real like. I didn't realize he had status. Yeah, he's he's playing some he's playing some stuff. What is he like? He played four rounds at the Byron Nelson's about as good as I can say about that. He was 37th at the World's Fargo, 24th at the Mexico mm. Open. That's yeah, actually better than I thought. Is he's not playing the short course? So what what I want to find is someone that's played well at Sony Honda. Heritage like stood out. Armor or Duncan. Like Armor. So Armor is 20th at Hawaii. Um, it's the car at Honda, but you know, 28th at Pebble. And he's been doing it on very limited stars. Like that's impressive right. in itself. Like I think when you're you're playing well without status, that's really good. So uh, it just gets so like you look at here, it's like 6900 Luke Donald, and you're like, oh god, like this is tough. Like you're gonna have to just play a balance card, ignore that kind of top of the stuff. Like, why is Brands gonna cut 7100? I bet the guy, I don't want to pay 7100. Like, <laughs> I know. What about what about Nate Lashley? Uh, I guess. What are you seeing in him? Just a short course guy again, like just plays better on these kind of positional golf courses. Um, Pebble. Pebble, Valspar, 27th. Uh, obviously won the Rocket Mortgage, which people have kind of linked to it a little bit. Yeah, it's back uh, grass, yeah. Other than that, he generally seems to play better at longer courses, which is strange, considering he doesn't hit it very far. Um, but he just had that really good run where he was like 7th Puerto Rico, 27th Valspar, 15th Corrales, 18th Texas, miscut the Heritage, which is a shame, and then 11th of Mexico. Like That was a really good, maybe that was just the run. Uh, the one guy I hoped was going to be here isn't is Cameron Davis. I thought he was going to play some good golf. Uh, I love Cameron Davis. I bet him last week, which didn't end very well. But yeah, it, I wish yeah. Answer was playing too, right? Someone like that. I thought he was nailed on to go to live. By the way, just you think so? I think yeah, so. like he's like yeah. You, you've got a chance to flog your tequila into Saudi Arabia, right? Or, he cares. Yeah, the tequila thing with him. I listened to him. I I can't remember. I think it was No Laying Up podcast with him about his tequila company. He was my one takeaway from that podcast is like, wow, okay, this man is a businessman, capital B. He, he is, he is money. Like this, that is, there's a reason his form has dived off and it's because he is yeah, he's hanging like around best, with Mark he's Wahlberg. best friends with Mark Wahlberg now. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's fine. Go make your money. Um, but on Cameron Davis, like he was 27th at the Sony open third at the heritage seven at colonial. Like why is he not playing this week? Is he playing the US Open qualifier? It's a good question. I, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't dig into that as much because I think some of the guys that we talked about were playing US Open qualifiers. Now, I don't know how much that really matters. Maybe they lose a practice round at this course, but yeah. we're recording this early on Monday afternoon, my time, later on Monday evening, your time. So I'll look into that and maybe write about it later in the week, but. I mean, I don't, did you factor that stuff in? Do people, like, if they make the U.S. Open, does that change their motivation at all? I mean, I, I would make, I would, if they do or don't make the U.S. Open, I would think, okay, either way, they want to play well this week. If they don't make yeah. the U.S. Open, then they have more motivation to win, to get into the U.S. Open another way. And if they do make the U.S. Open, then they want to get their game as good as possible. One of those ones where I would probably say, they'll lax off and just think about the US Open. But 
as my co-host on Lost Words always likes to tell me, you can't just get in their heads. You don't actually know without <laughs> talking to them. Um, That's the fun part, though, is getting in yeah, their heads. I don't especially like to Roy's. tell you. I, I like to guess like <laughs> what they're thinking. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think it probably changes it a little bit. Uh, I think you probably take your eye off of it and think about Brookline. But if there are people that know they're not going to win the US Open, because what, what is there, like 30 guys that can win the US Open? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And that's probably generous. All right, last thing. Give me your give me your early US Open pick. The thing is, I was coming to you because I feel like you're the type of person I should be talking to about the golf course because yeah. I need to do some thinking about it. I think I really want Wacky Neiman to play one of that major. It's a good one. It's a good I pick. Think, I think there's I think there's some some solid aspects to that. I think I think there's a couple of guys that People want to be on like Max Homer that are going to be popular, I guess, at the US Open. Um, Horschel, too. I'm really bummed about Horschel because I really liked the Marion comparison, and that yeah. was Horschel's best finish ever was at Marion. But he hit now all he's 18 be... greens of regulation there, didn't he? One round. Yeah. And yeah. that's when he wore the octopus packs. Yeah. Which exactly. Great. Yeah. Um, it really surprised me how bad he's been at majors. It doesn't feel right, right? Like it feels like with some of these guys, that's going to end. Like, you know, I, I think, like, for example, Cantlay was really popular at the PGA. And I think a lot of people walked away from that being like, Cantlay sucks in majors. He's never going to get it done in majors. It's a pretty good by low spot for him. Yeah, he'll probably come back and do fine. And, and yeah. I'm very much that he'll cry. I'm like, Hatton's crap at majors, don't bother. Horse yeah. was bad at majors, don't bother. But he finished fourth in like his second ever major start. Yeah. And that was the seventh, seven years after his first one because he yeah. played the US Open in 2006. So, you know, it's just weird that he's, apart from the year where the Open Championship cancelled, he's never made all the cuts in the majors. And he's never finished inside anything better than 23rd after that fourth place at Merriam, which is really strange to think because everyone links Billy Horshaw as this like elite competitor. Yeah, and you're really good to write a cup. You think about U.S. Opens being such a mental endurance test. By the way, he's in like incredible shape, right? So, and you think about the U.S. Open is supposed to be the most physically and mentally taxing yeah. tournament of the year. And he is, I feel like he would be, and this is a shorter U.S. Open, right? Like he's not a good long iron player. So I don't like him at a course like Torrey Pines, but this is a shorter U.S. Open. I just, I wish he didn't win at Memorial last week. Yeah, it kind of puts us, yeah, spanner in the works. I'd be interested to see how Webb Simpson gets on, and only mm. because he's shown a little bit of life. And I speak, I message Paul Tazori basically every week when they play, just to sort of wish them luck. And at the PGA, when he shot the, is it sixty three that he shot in yeah three? He they were like, it feels like we found something. Like, By the way, Olympic Club. I've played Olympic club. That course is from what I've seen on Brookline. That's another spot. That's that kind of us open, right? So yeah. like you have these shorter, tighter us open venues, like a Marion and an Olympic. That is what Brookline, that is Brookline's DNA. So I think you could do a lot worse than taking a look at those Marion and Olympic club leaderboards, by the way, Phil Mickelson, should have won at Marion. So there you go. That'll be fun. <laughs> Imagine if he comes back next week and contends. That'll be, that'll be, is he going to be allowed to play? Yeah, he's playing. He's playing. 
He's playing. So, I, I believe so. I mean, he said in his statement that he plans on playing the majors and he's qualified. Yeah. So, yeah, I would assume I, so. I, I guess they're just... I Is Tiger late. playing, by the way? Has Tiger confirmed that he's playing? He hasn't, has he? He hasn't said so. So, this... assuming assuming Tiger <laughs> plays, if I gave you a minus 110, minus 110 matchup between Tiger and Phil, what side would you take? It's tough, I guess right? I, I guess it's I'd kind take, of tough. I'd probably have to take Tiger just because I think he's I'd actually take, played. I think I'd take Tiger too, but I thought about it for a second. I'd, I'd feel horrible about it though. Because <laughs> I've basically, every time he rolls out of the major, I'm like, he won't be able to do this again. Like, right. He won't make the cut. Like he literally had to prop himself up on the, on the board. Like it's, it's actually sad that he can't not go out there and compete. He doesn't feel fulfilled unless he's breaking his leg to play a golf tournament. Right. Like, like I think that's a whole other podcast. But, you know, I, I think it's actually quite sad that he's uh, he's not capable of just taking himself away. Because if, if after 15 months his leg's no better, does that mean it's ever going to get better? I think it's always going to be an uphill battle. I don't think there's ever go. I think at this stage of his career, I mean, he's 48 years old, right? I think yeah. at this stage of his life and his career, there's not going to be a situation where we're going to be like, oh, Tiger's ever fully healthy. I think it's going to be a lot of he manage your expectations, right? It's all relative. So like if you can, you know, if he can get through four rounds of golf, it's probably a victory. But I don't think he'll ever be fully healthy again. No. I think when I said that him making the cut at the Masters would be a huge achievement, everyone kind of took that as like a knock. And I was like, no, that no, It'd be really yeah. impressive if he does it. Like right. he he has no right to make that cut. Like I know if you're going to do it anywhere, it's going to be Augusta because it's the same every year. But um, yeah, I mean, I just didn't see it. But making the uh, cut at PGA was an incredible achievement too. By the way, if you look at the guys that he beat at both the Masters and the PGA, it's like alarming. Do you think that had anything to do with Rory going backwards? Well, are you talking about on Friday? Yeah. So you're talking about Friday afternoon where Rory had that abnormally bad round, right? Where Tiger kind of was grinding to make the cut. Speed didn't play well either, by the way, that day. I just thought they got caught up in in watching him do that. Yeah. You know, you could, you you might be right. Yeah. Rory's so fat. I mean, I bet him that week at the PGA. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get there at the US Open, but he's such a fascinating you know, even on Sunday at the Memorial, he was like five over through seven. And then I was monitoring this because I had a top 20 on him. Like he battled back and birdied like nobody can go on this sustained bogey run and then a sustained birdie run like Rory in such a short period of time. It's, he has to put himself up against the wall. Like he just, Yeah, it's he, exactly. He it's almost he like he like has to have it. He has to have some form of adversity to have it to hold his attention. And interestingly enough, I thought so the Thursday when he was he led the PGA and he was he had this kind of walk and everyone was noticing how purposeful it was and how he looked like he had his swagger back. On Friday it looked like he tried to do the same thing, but it was forced. Like he didn't yeah. feel like he felt comfortable doing it. It felt like he like mentally I need to go on this walk to make myself feel good. Uh, I've actually been very pro this year, and it's it's it worked out once at the first round leader at the Bay Hill, but otherwise, um, not so good. But I think that's probably the way to play. Just he gets off to a fast start anywhere but Augusta, I think. Yeah, 
And I mean, a lot of the, like, unless you've been backing Sam Burns and Scotty Scheffler every week, like you haven't been making money on Rom. You haven't been making money on Rory. I luckily got the JT PGA, but that was his first win in a year. Um, Yeah, that that saved me on on a run. I mean, I had like three in a row and then nothing for, I mean, I kept getting kind of each way payouts and stuff like that, which sometimes in America you don't have the luxury of getting, but like, it just, it just feels so hard to get it right at the moment. Like, mm. and that's not to make a load of excuses so that the picks don't work this week. I've bet Tyler Duncan <laughs> and Brad Seneca. Like, I don't need excuses. They're terrible. <laughs> um, if Corey Connors goes wrong, then they, you know, I'll, I'll have a conversation about it. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I look at the US Open next week and I look at the prices and there's not really like an outlier to me that stands out. Like there's someone that goes like, they're really big. Mm-hmm. Like I would have said DJ, but there's just so much going on. And he's not playing his best. If they just, decide to boost DJ to some crazy number, I'll bet him. Yeah, me too. I, me I, too. Because because I think that getting this one out of the way, and get, he obviously knew the news was coming. He yeah, knew he was and just he look. You can say all you want about his internal drive and his motivation, but you know there's at least a little bit of a fuck you in there. Hundred percent. Like he doesn't. He cares more about pissing people off than he does yeah. getting the US Open. Like he's already got one. He doesn't really care. But like, yeah. I don't know. I guess. I guess the guys I kind of mentioned are, are interesting. I mean, if Finau plays well this week, his number's going to crash. Right. The only guy that I can guarantee you that will be on my car is Fleetwood because I'm just in too deep with this guy. Um, last question. We got to get out of here. Um, would you rather bet Brooks at forty to one or DJ at forty to one? next week because brooks did you see all these wedding videos with him and jenna (laughs) you didn't see ludicrous he had ludicrous at his wedding oh my god this is amazing i was thinking about with brooks i mean it's awfully i mean he often plays the week before majors and so he 10 days before the majors he has he has his wedding huh i guess i'd rather back dj but uh, Brooks Kepka is that guy that you I bet him at the uh, the PGA just because he gets to a number and you go, I really don't want to get to a point where I'm watching Kepka win on Sunday. I think he's going to, cont- I mean, Rory is my official pick at St. Andrews, but I think Brooks is going to contend at St. Andrews. I, this, I don't know if it's going to be this week, but I think there's a sleeping giant quality with Brooks that is coming soon. I don't know if it's going to be Brookline, but I think it's going to be the British, he's going to have a really good week. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, he likes he likes playing over here. I think he, he yeah. he's kind of shown that right. I mean, I say over here, I'm not in Scotland, but everyone knows what I mean. But uh, yeah, I, I think so. I think I think it's really interesting. Like, I am an opposite of a Xander guy, <laughs> but that's that's got to work at some point, right? He's got to do something <laughs> at some point, sometime. Best approach, best approach round of his career in the final that's, round. On that's Sunday what made me bring Memorial. it up. Like you'd you'd put it up, and I think yeah, you, know, you and Rick were discussing it, and like he's just so frustrating. Like, I don't, and <laughs> and he's just so easy to dog on because he's like eighteen to one every week and never even looks like winning. If he's, he's I, I haven't made a decision yet on Xander. I will say the uh, the approach play obviously at the Memorial is very enticing, and we're talking about a guy who. I think he's finished top seven in like every single U.S. Open that he's played. I'm gonna have to think about that one more. I, I, one I, I'm like, not making a commitment yet. Do you just top ten it and don't worry about it? Like Maybe. he's finished. He's finished top seven. Like you say, all five U.S. Opens. Mm. 
Tom, we got to go. Let's get out of here. All right, Tom, can you plug your stuff? What you got going on this week? So I'm on the Lost for Words podcast as always. We're we're doing the Scandinavia mix and the Canadian Open. That is out somewhere, but I haven't tweeted out. So just go and find it yourself so I don't have to bother too much with promoting that. I'm also on the uh, Mayo Media Network. Obviously, everyone knows Pat very well, and I do that with Skylar Hope, which I always enjoy. Um, I can't breathe very well this week, and and that would look horrendous on video. Andy's had to stare at my face for the last hour and a half with me wiping my nose and all sorts. But uh, we've powered through, and uh, I've enjoyed it, buddy. Tom Jacobs, it was good to see you, buddy. We'll do it again soon. We'll be uh, we'll be back hosting our first live show soon, and yes. I'll have you read the Phil book too, so we can talk I, Phil soon. I, as well. I've already been told that I have to remind you that you're coming on for the Irish Open. Jason told me that you're are you over. Yeah, here what, the what's Open? the deal? You, yeah, what's the deal? You've you've been on my podcast now what three times, and I can't even get the first one to yeah. lost for words. Look, I need to sort it out. Sort it out, man. Get that one figured out. Get that one amended because you're like at this point with, for me, I have like a pretty firm intact rotation. And sometimes I'll, you know, if somebody catches my eye, I'll let, I'll, I'll give somebody else a shot. But at this point, like I've got my guys and you're firmly, you're firmly in the rotation. Like you're going to be there every single year, once, twice a year. So, you know, the fact that I'm not in the loss for words rotation, especially because I'm, I love Brad too. It's just, you know, I'm, it's hard not to take it personal at some point. You know, you know what we're going to do? So when Jason tells me he's not coming on one week, you, me, you and Brad will do it. And we'll I'd love a that. Great conversation. And I think the other thing that I always approach with you, Andy, is I think we can have a conversation that goes from golf to Bill Simmons' podcast. Very quickly. <laughs> and all of a right. sudden, like, this whole conversation I've been thinking about talking about the rewatchables and whether you actually listen to that or not. Of course, and, I, you uh, know me, man. Of well, course I what, do. This is what I mean. Like, yeah. I, I was texting Joe the other day and I, and I, and I wanted to uh, get a rewatchable signed up and realize that people had done it two years ago. So, uh, you know, that, that's the conversations I have in my head all the time when I think about you and, and what we're going to talk about. Yeah. We'll be back to do a, uh, a more wide-ranging discussion on things, like I said. Um, for now, Tom, you can find him. Tom Jacobs 93 on Twitter, right? Correct. Tom, it was good to see you, buddy. All right, that's it for the show. Special thanks to Tom Jacobs. Special thanks to rickrungood.com. You find me later this week on The Scramble, and then we'll be back on this podcast feed next week for the U.S. Open. It's a big one. First look show will be out hopefully by Sunday morning. A rare head-to-head appearance with Pat Mayo on Tuesday morning, and then the heavily requested return of Kobe DuBose probably Tuesday afternoon, early Wednesday morning for a DraftKings show. It's going to be a great week. I'm very excited. Best of luck until then with your bets this weekend at the Canadian Open and live if you're betting on that as well. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream between the viaducts of your dream Where my world still runs crack And the dead shed the back roads stop